another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you this morning. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Uh, I really did have a great weekend. Uh, Last night, as a matter of fact, uh, I was in Richmond at the home of Todd and Catherine Phillips, and we had a wonderful group that gathered together for the first meeting of TC, the called Richmond. So we're starting a Richmond ministry. If you live in the Richmond area and you are interested in visiting with us, just email us at tcrichmondatthecall.org, tcrichmondatthecall.org. And if you forget that, call our office and we'll be happy to give you the information. Obviously, we want to, <clears throat> we want to be able to invite you to come and know who you are coming because it's in a home right now and you know we don't want people just showing up. But we'd be glad to have you come. And really, I see this as an oasis for people who right now feel estranged from churches that closed down during COVID, ministries that won't address the issues of the day, uh, that won't speak to abortion, that won't speak to this whole sexual perversion movement in our country that is trying to sweep our children up into it, as well as adults uh, who won't speak to a government that is out of control and is working with big tech to deny our First and Second Amendment rights, uh, to shut us down, shut us up, stop us from experiencing all that God intended and all, frankly, that the Constitution secures. Um, So if you're looking for a place where it is okay to be a Christian patriot and it is okay to be engaged on the issues of the day, uh, then by all means, get in touch with us. We'd love to see you. We'd love to have fellowship with you uh, because we're going to see what God does with this ministry and we're believing God for it to grow. Um, I want to come back to that in a second, but I want to mention to you, I didn't bring my cup with me. Uh, I need to have my cup on the set, but I want to mention to you that this is, this month, July, is the 12th anniversary month of Stand, staying true to America's national destiny. And we are offering uh, a beautiful cup, which forgive me that I don't have it in front of me, but a beautiful commemorative cup celebrating our 12th anniversary for anybody who signs up to be a Patriot partner this month. And Patriot partnership just means you sign up to give a recurring donation. I had a woman visit the church yesterday and she said, I I watch you you in the morning. I I listen to your radio program and I am a Patriot partner. I said, praise God. Well, thank you very much. Um, You know, you probably read the news that Jeff Bezos decided to give Van Jones $100 million for him to distribute to charities of his choice and whatnot to do whatever, basically do whatever he wants to do with it. And um, Van Jones is a communist. Van Jones is an admitted communist. He got kicked out of the Obama administration because of his communist background. And Jeff Bezos was giving him $100 million to to try to influence the direction of the country because that's what that's all about. Well, Stand doesn't have a Jeff Bezos. We depend upon the contributions of individual citizens. We are building a grassroots movement of individual citizens who care about our country and don't have $100 million to give anybody, but but maybe they've got $10 or $5 or $25 or whatever it is uh, to give monthly. Look, we're in a long-term battle. This is not, this is not going to, to end overnight. And so we're seeking to build, we're trying to build, frankly, an army of patriots who are committed to this this thing in the long haul 
because just like George Washington in the Revolutionary War, this is not over until we win. And we're going to win, and it's not over until we win. So uh, if you want to help us, go to our website, standamerica.us, and uh, you can just make an individual contribution, a single contribution, or you can sign up to be a Patriot Partner. And if you sign up to be a Patriot Partner, we'll send you one of these beautiful commemorative cups. Um, I want to come back to the Richmond meeting because last night, you know, of course I spoke and we had a good time and, and some people asked questions and uh, had great fellowship. It, it was really, it was really a great meeting. I'm still, I'm still high on it. We had a great time. Um, somebody said to me that they shared with someone one of my videos, one of my tapes, and, and uh, the person listened to it and said, wow, you know, it was, it was good. It was a little political. It was a little political. And, and the person said to me, but I said, but that's what we need. And I, I've been thinking about that. I uh, thought about it on the way home last night, and I thought, was thinking about it when I woke up this morning. And I make no apologies for the way God uses me to speak to the issues of the day. Um, and, and for me, it is not being political in the normal, traditional sense of the word. It is doing what the word of God requires us to do. It is being prophetic about the issues of the day from a biblical perspective. I mean, I, look, in fact, I, I shared last night that, you know, I started out as a Baptist. I was uh, dedicated as a child in the Baptist church, and uh, I was a Baptist up until the early 90s when the Lord called me out of it. You know, the Southern Baptists that are considered to be the most conservative Baptists in America are, are toying with critical race theory. They're now, well, you know, we don't embrace all of it, but it's going to be a useful tool. No, it's evil. It's evil. And you've got to critique stuff like that according to the word of God. And if you don't, to me, you're not, you're, you're abdicating your responsibility. They, people shouldn't be pointing the finger at me saying, oh, he's, in, he's getting involved in politics. They should be pointing the finger at pastors who won't critique these things from a biblical perspective and say, he's abdicating his responsibility. He's not doing what a pastor ought to do. He's not doing what a minister ought to do, which is taking the word of God and applying it to every circumstance and situation and issue so that we understand as Christians, how are we supposed to look at this? How are we supposed to view this? Um, I, in fact, I used the example last night. I'll use it with you. According to those standards, according to that standard, Moses should never have gone down into Egypt because he, he left the side of the mountain, the backside of the mountain uh, in Moab and went down and began to interfere in the political life of Egypt. But he was doing so under the unction, the anointing, the command, the calling of Almighty God. And I believe every pastor is called to do the same thing. Every pastor is called to take the word of God and to inject it into every situation. And, and the political life of our country is no exception. In fact, I would say since we live in a free nation, it is all the more our responsibility to do so, lest we lose our precious freedom. I was thinking about Samuel. Samuel was responsible for appointing both uh, Saul and David as king. And then he continued to advise them even at, well, of course, with David, by the time David became king, I think Samuel had already died. But, but he continued to advise Saul 
and of course to critique Saul and to he basically fired Saul, told Saul God had rejected him because of his disobedience to God. And we've got a bunch of leaders today who are in complete disobedience to God. And you mean to tell me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm not supposed to say anything about that? To me, that's biblical stupidity. You, you, you've got a president who claims to be a Catholic, claims to be following the teachings of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is decidedly pro-life. Oh, they, they've got a pope right now. I'm not sure where he is, but anyway. The teaching of the Catholic Church generally is pro-life. And you got a president who basically is pro-death. And so you mean to tell me Catholic priests and any minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ who understands that the word of God commands us to choose life shouldn't say anything about it? Oh, I might offend somebody. Too bad. You ought to be offended by him. You ought to be offended by the things he does and says and stands for. So I don't make any apologies, but today I wanted to, I'm probably going to do this most Mondays because I've got a whole weekend of stuff running around in my head (laughs) and in my heart. But you know, there's a scripture that continues to come to mind that those of you who who are challenged by people and say, well, you know, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics or Christianity doesn't have anything to do with politics, this, that, and the other. The first thing I say is, well, it's not politics, it's prophetic ministry because the church has a responsibility to speak truth to power. And you can call that politics all you want, but we wouldn't call it politics when Moses did what he did, or when Elijah challenged Ahab and Jezebel, or when Samuel challenged Saul, or when Nathan challenged David. That was doing the will of God and applying the will of God to the government of the day. How much more are we responsible for doing that who live in a free nation where we get to choose, assuming we can get these elections straightened out, we get to choose our leadership. Of course we have responsibility, and I believe that every pastor has that responsibility as well. And even if a pastor says, I'm not conversant, I don't know that much, well, educate yourself. Even if a pastor says, "I, I, I don't have that same anointing, that a Bishop E.W. Jackson has to do that, well then support Bishop E.W. Jackson and stop criticizing him. And say, I'm not sure I can do what he does. I don't know that I'm called to quite be as as engaged and involved as he is, but I support everything he's doing. As far as I'm concerned, he speaks for me. But don't fight me. Don't oppose me. Don't be against me for doing what thus says the Lord. Now, look, I want to call your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And, you know, we read that verse, and we often apply that verse only to working and taking care of your family, and it certainly does include that. That's no question. But the verse has two clauses, which are not the same. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, which apparently is a broader concept. And then it says, and especially, which means within that broader concept, there is a subset. And the subset is 
those of his own household. But that comes under the rubric of this broader concept, which is, but if anyone does not provide for his own. Now, let's talk about that for a little bit. What does his own mean? His own is a Hebrew word, idios, which simply means anything that pertains to you. Does your country pertain to you? If you are an American citizen listening to me right now, does the United States of America pertain to you? Then it is part of your own. Does your city pertain to you? Does your state pertain to you? Then it is part of your own. Now, then what does the word provide mean? Because you think, well, well, Bishop, how can it mean that? How can I provide for my country? The word provide is not a word that means you got to go out and buy groceries or you have to house everybody like you, do, you would do for your own household. It is the word pronoeo, pronoeo, and it simply means, I'm reading from the Greek, def, from the, 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 the definition of the Greek word right here, I'm reading out of Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. It means to think of beforehand, to take thought of, and to care for. Should you be thinking of your country? Should be t- you be taking thought of your country? Should you care about your country? See, that's the broader concept of the verse about household. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, that means if you don't take thought of your own country, if you don't care about your own country, if you don't care about what's going on in your own state, or you don't care about what's going on in your own city, in other words, you just completely ignore that. You know, you, you could just care less. Uh, what do I care? That's, that's politics. Notice what it says. Now, then it says, and especially. So what it's saying is, in the same way you care for your own household with different specific requirements, of course, because I don't, can't go out and buy groceries for my city. I can't go out and buy groceries for my state. I can't go out and buy groceries for my country. So the specifics and the, 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 the uh, requirements of caring for are different, right? But especially those of his own household, which means you're supposed to care in this broader sense, and then you're supposed to care in this more specific and narrow sense for your own household, and then look. And to do neither of these or to, 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 to fail to do either of these is to deny the faith and be worse than an infidel. Now, see, all of us would say, Oh, yeah, a man doesn't take care of his own family. I can see that he's denied the faith and it's worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever. In other words, you've denied the faith and you're worse than a non-Christian. In other words, what this is saying is even a heathen knows to take care of his own. 
says, so if you're a Christian and not doing that, you're worse than the heathen. Wow. But look at this. Oh, yeah, these, oh, yeah, I, I, I've got I've to provide shelter for my family. I've got to provide a household for my family. Yes, you do. Absolutely. And if you don't do that, you have denied the faith and you are worse than an infidel. In other words, you denied the responsibility that God places upon you as a child of God. And you are worse than a heathen. You are worse than an unbeliever. You are worse than an infidel. Even they generally know better than that. But how about this? If you fail to take thought of your own country, if you fail to care for your own country, if you fail to be interested in what's happening in your own country, you have denied the faith and are worse than an infidel. Whoa. Whoa. How about that one? Yeah, didn't see that one coming. I say what I do is not only not inappropriate for Christians, not only not something Christians should not be engaged in, but to fail to care for your own country, to fail to take interest in your own country, to fail to be in, engaged and involved in the issues of the day that are impinging upon you and your children and your grandchildren and everybody around you is to deny the faith and be worse than an infidel. That's why I make no apologies. Because I know I'm doing exactly what the word of God requires that we do. You know, I say, we're supposed to be salt and light. But you got people with the, saying, oh yeah, yeah, well you can shake salt over here, but don't shake any over there. Uh, you can shake a little salt over here in the hospital, shake a little salt over here in the jail, but don't shake any salt in the, in the Capitol building. Oh no, you stay out of that, you bad boy. Don't shake any salt in the White House. Don't shake any salt in the Congress. Don't shake any salt in the state legislature. Uh-uh. You don't have any business doing that. If you think that, anybody who thinks that, the Bible says you've denied the faith and you're worse than an infidel. Because Jesus said you're the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. Don't shine that light in the, in the, in the Congress now. Oh, like uh, um, Jerry Nadler said, when Representative Stubbe read from uh, Deuteronomy about cross-dressing and transgenderism and what the Word of God said, and then said that when we support this stuff, we are denying God's Word. And Jerry Nadler said, the will of God has no place in the United States Congress. Now, these Christians who criticize me are just like him. Because godlessness obviously has a place in the Congress. Demonic ideas have a place in the Congress. Evil has a place in the Congress. That's the place where they justify the killing of unborn babies and celebrate it. That's the place where they, they pass all these stupid, sick, perverse laws promoting homosexuality and transgenderism and any, every other kind of perversion they can think of and saying how great that is. 
But you bring up God. Oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Bishop Jackson, you don't have any part in that. You stay away from that. That's no, no, that's politics. Then you are denying the faith and you are worse than an infidel. Now, you Christians listening to me right now who have friends who say this, you take them to this verse and explain to them what this verse means. You say this verse applies not only to taking care of your own family, this verse applies to taking care of anything that pertains to your life. And your country definitely pertains to your life. It pertains to the future of your children and your grandchildren. And if you don't take in thought for that, you don't take an interest in that, you don't care for that, you have denied the faith and you are worse than an infidel, just like somebody who won't take care of their own family. Because from a biblical perspective, the two are equated. It just says, and especially, in other words, under this broad aegis, under this broad rubric, of course, especially take care of your own household, but it's broader than that. You know, John the Baptist didn't have to say anything about Herod. He could have kept his mouth shut. Think about that. He could have left that alone. I'm busy preaching the gospel. I'm not, I'm not getting involved with Herod and politics and all that. But he pointed his finger at him and said, you have sinned against God, taking your brother's wife. In other words, you know what he was saying? You're, you're polluting the land with your sin. Got him killed. Some people say, well, John the Baptist, just stay out of politics. You don't want to get Herod all upset. Just preach to the people and baptize him. Be a good boy. Be a good little prophet and stay out of all that. Jesus could have avoided the scribes and Pharisees. They were the political leaders of Israel. They were not only spiritual leaders, so-called, but they were political leaders of Israel. They were the civil authority of Israel. Of course, they reported to the Romans because they were under Roman subjugation, but they were the political power in Israel. And Jesus went after them with all guns blazing. Because, you know, when he made that statement in the temple, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He wasn't merely talking to the people who were in there buying and selling. He was talking to the scribes and Pharisees that had engineered that whole enterprise. They were the ones because they were in charge of the temple. They were the ones who had made it a den of thieves. And Jesus went directly at them. We have a responsibility to do this. Of course, we have a responsibility to save souls. And anybody who's heard me preach and anybody who's uh, watched my services, you know that I always tell people that Jesus Christ is the answer. I know that politics is not the answer. But I'm not going to leave Jesus out of politics or leave Jesus out of anything else. I know the salvation of the human soul is only possible through him. The salvation of the human spirit is only possible through him. But the, the idea that if you are committed to that, you shouldn't be applying that to anything else. Just apply that to the singular human being. But watch your country go to hell in a handbasket and keep your mouth shut. The Bible says in Isaiah 62, you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. 
and give him no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Well, this is our Jerusalem. America is our Jerusalem. I will not keep silent. And I will give him no rest until he makes America a praise in the earth. And I am completely in keeping with the spiritual and prophetic tradition and truth of Scripture. That's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's those who don't see that who are wrong. Not me. Those who don't see that who are wrong. So we've got to tell the truth. I mean, and somebody, you know, God is ultimate reality. Okay? God is ultimate reality. Now, what do I mean by that? God is the only thing that is unchanging and impossible of removal. You are, I am, this chair I'm sitting in is, you know, every building is, all of that stuff is temporary. God is permanent and eternal. And therefore, whatever God says is true, is permanent and eternal truth. Whatever God says is false, is permanent and eternal falsehood. Whatever God says is right and good and moral, is permanent and eternal goodness and righteousness and morality. And whatever God says is wrong, is permanent and eternal evil and wickedness and wrong and sin. God defines reality. And when you have people who want to deny the reality of what God says is good and true and right, they are trying to get you to buy into unreality. Somebody has got to be a steward of reality. Who's going to do that if Christians don't? And the reality is that our country is being infiltrated with Marxism. The reality is that we are suffering from a creeping totalitarianism that seeks to take control of every aspect of human life, and it essentially denies the existence of God. Just like Jerry Nadler says, the will of God has no place on the floor of Congress. Yeah. At least not for him. But he's going to find out it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I don't apologize for it. Don't you apologize for it. You keep taking a stand. I say, stand up, step up, speak up. Stand up, step up, speak up. Stand up, step up, speak up. And you pray and you figure out how that translates for your own personal life. But remember, always keep the word of God. That's why I always come back to the word of God. See, my conservatism, or as the left would like to call me, my right-wing extremism, is rooted and grounded in truth. And that truth is the word of God. I just, I just shared with you a scripture that, that, that shows you that it is right and good and appropriate and required even that we as Christians take a stand in the public square. 
And you have people running around saying, no, 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 that's politics. Stay out of that. Stay out of that. Uh, like, like there's some scripture that tells you, you know, oh, Bishop Jackson, no, 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 you, should, you shouldn't be getting involved in that. When everything in the scripture tells you exactly the opposite, you should be, Christians should be involved in everything. You know, they try to separate God from science. And you see what you get? When you separate God from science, the scientists of the 18th and 19th centuries believed that they were trying to understand the rules that God put in place for the operation of the universe. The scientists of the 20th century believe that they're trying to find out uh, uh, how the random, disorderly chaos somehow developed some kind of orderliness and they're going to try to discover what the rules of that orderliness are. In other words, they're going to try to explain the existence of the universe and explain the orderliness of the universe and the laws of the universe, laws without a lawmaker. And yet they want us to bow down to science. I'm not bowing down to science. Science has its place. But God is the only one who knows everything about everything, and science has limited knowledge of what little it does know. There are a lot of things science doesn't know anything about, but what little it knows something about, it knows only little about that. And so I approach science the same way I approach anything else. If it's not the word of God, I approach it with some healthy degree of skepticism. Not paranoia, but skepticism. And so you got people running around with an experimental drug, treating anybody who won't just willy-nilly go up and bear that. Oh, yeah, please, hit me. Oh, there's, there's some kind of kook, some kind of crazy. They're bad citizens. They're unpatriotic. Everybody ought, to get, everybody ought to get the jab. According to the word of God, as an individual, I have the right to make my own decisions. God gave me that right. It's not a privilege the government granted to me. It's a God-given right. And, and by the way, so I, anybody who wants to have the vaccine, I support their right to get it. But anybody who doesn't want to have it, I support their right to say no and not be punished for it, not be ostracized for it, not be treated like some kind of pariah for it. Folks, that's what communists do. That's how they control people. They turn you into a pariah. They, they, they shun you. They deny you the ability to earn a living or to, to, to live a certain place or to carry out your functions or to get what you need to live uh, in a, a proper way in life. They do all that to punish you for not adhering and going along with the orthodox communist ideology that everybody's expected to bow to. And we're seeing the same thing unfolding in our country. As far as I'm concerned, COVID has just been an excuse for tyrants to show who they really are. And I hope the American people see it for what it is. And vote these rascals out of office come 2022 that Nancy Pelosi will no longer be the Speaker of the House because Nancy Pelosi is a wicked woman full of the devil. She needs to go. And that's not a statement about her political life, not a statement about her as an individual. She needs to be saved as an individual. But politically, she needs to go out the door. Joe Biden in 2024, him and Kamala, comrade Kamala, they need to go. They need to go. 
I mean, you see we're facing crisis on every hand. Folks, inflation is real. Inflation is real. And it's what happens here again. What does the Bible say? Oh, no man anything but to love him. Lend to many nations, but do not borrow. And we're borrowing money up the wazoo. And inflation is just skyrocketing. I don't have a degree in economics. I studied economics in college, but you don't need to, you don't need to have studied economics in college. It's common sense. You can't flood the economy with cash that has not been earned, that is, that is not organic wealth that has been built as a result of people operating in the marketplace. You just create money out of whole cloth and just put it out there and give everybody all this money. Like, oh, we're doing, look, look at what we're doing. We're going to give everybody $300, 250 to $300 a month who earns up to $150,000 a year to help take care of their children. Oh, what a great thing we're doing. Yeah, you're destroying the economy is what you're doing. Because the Bible strongly condemns borrowing money. Now, that doesn't mean in a, in a modern world that it's a sin to borrow money for a mortgage or a car. But the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. And, you know, a lot of this money is borrowed from communist China. And by the way, so Monday, Monday's this it's going to work this way on Monday. I'm going to get back to Ephesians tomorrow. But look. President Trump. Former President Trump now. But President Trump said in a recent speech something that he he didn't say. He said occasionally, but not a lot. But he said it in a recent speech. Where was he when he said this? But he said basically, he warned basically, let's see, it was a speech on Saturday. Where was he on Saturday? But he said basically, Radicals are taking over our country and we are witnessing what could be the rise of communism in America. I started talking about this in, in earnest about two years ago, maybe three. And I had a lot of people who would say, communism, I mean, now that look, a little tinfoil hat type thing. But you know what, folks? It's becoming quite obvious that that's the direction the left is trying to take us in. It's becoming quite obvious. CRT is Marxist. It is based on a Marxist worldview. Um, the encroachment on our First Amendment rights. Oh, some speech you can't say because it's hate speech. That's a Marxist worldview. In, in other words, it rejects what we consider the near absolute freedom of speech that is necessary to maintain a free people, which means you have to have the right to say what I don't like in order to make sure that I always have the right to say what you don't like. And therefore, even though I may not like what you have to say, I'm going to defend your right to say it because I know that that is the way of securing mine and everyone else's right to be able to speak their conscience. But the left has rejected that. They've rejected that completely. They don't believe in it. 
they believe in deplatforming, that people they don't agree with shouldn't be allowed to speak. Oh, you don't believe in climate change, you're a denier. You shouldn't be allowed to speak. Oh, um, you don't agree with same-sex marriage, you're a denier. You shouldn't be allowed to speak. Oh, you, don't, you believe that there's two genders, male and female, that's it, that's all. You shouldn't be allowed to speak. Oh, in my case, you believe that the natural immune system is as good as a vaccine against COVID once you've had it, that you've got antibodies and T cells that will fight off the disease, even though many experts have said the same thing. Oh, you believe that? Oh, you shouldn't have the right to speak. And on and on and on it goes. See, that, that's, that's a fundamental departure from American values. Because I, I've said this before, and very few people, I, I know young people have probably never heard this. And I'm not sure who it originates with, but, but it used to be something I would hear in American politics. I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Wow. What a, what a difference a, a couple of decades has made or, or, or more. Because now the mantra is, if I don't agree with what you say, I will deny your right to say it. They, but the, 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 the people who think that way don't realize they're next. They're next. The climate changes and suddenly what they have to say is not acceptable. Now, they don't have any First Amendment rights. They don't have the freedom of speech anymore. But President Trump pointed this out. That we are now acting. The left is acting like communists. You know, in fact, I believe there ought to be a whole discipline in colleges and universities called Americanism, which seeks to teach children what the values are of America, not just our mistakes, not just our faults, not just our shortcomings, but our principles, our values, our ideals. Why have we been able to build the greatest nation in the history of mankind? You must do something. You must be doing something right. You couldn't have gotten everything wrong. I call it Americanism. Americanism, not communism. Americanism, not socialism. Americanism, not fascism. Americanism. A set of ideals and principles that gave us the greatest nation on earth. But instead, the left is trying to get us to buy into Marxism and communism and socialism. President Trump said it in his speech on Saturday. Uh, probably some of you know exactly where he was when he, oh, he was in Arizona. He was in Arizona, right, at the Turning Point Conference. Yep, he was in Arizona when he said that. Now, I'll say one other thing as I get ready to close out here. You know, I really believe that we need a national security audit. And what would that look like? I, I think it, it would begin 
by looking at all the Chinese nationals. When I say Chinese nationals, I mean people who are citizens of China. I'm not talking about Americans who happen to have Chinese background. I'm thinking primarily of people who are Chinese citizens who come to this country to go to school, come to this country to do business for any reason. I believe looking at them and at the connections that they have with various Americans needs to be part of a national security audit in order to help secure our country. You all realize that every week we're arresting people for espionage by, by China. Every week. Every week we're arresting people. It's not, it's not even making the news anymore because they've infiltrated our colleges, they've infiltrated our corporations, they've infiltrated... I'm talking about the communist Chinese now. I'm not talking about Chinese citizens. See, here again, you start talking about the, oh, he's a racist, he's xenophobic, he's a... These people, I mean... They're too dumb to come out of the rain, coming out of the rain. They can't make the distinction between an ideology and a particular ethnic group of people. I'm not against Chinese people. I'm against Chinese communism because it's communist. But just recently, uh, President Trump's administration arrested some Chinese military officials who came here under false pre pretenses, hiding their relationship to the Chinese military, came in and became part of our university system as teachers, and then were discovered to be representatives of the Chinese military. President Trump's administration arrested these people. The Biden administration has just released them. They said they released them because they felt that they'd been sufficiently punished and that they should now be able to go back to China. These people are engaged in espionage. And this administration is just releasing them and sending them back. Five Chinese nationals the Trump administration arrested last summer who obtained fraudulent visas by lying about their relationship to the People's Liberation Army. Now, these folks went to the University of California, San Francisco, of course, one of them did, to do scientific research. Another one of them went to the University of California at Davis also to do scientific research. Another one of them went to Stanford University to do brain research. Uh, another, them, another one of them um, uh, went to Indiana University Another one of them went to um, University of California. Notice most of them go to California, liberal la-la land, which is where, you know, you can be a communist and be, you know, fit right in. Um, another one went to the University of California at Los Angeles. And it's unclear, but, but this person was doing research as well. Oh, this one was 
was dealing with software and technical data. Fraudulently obtained visas. The Trump administration arrested them, put them in jail. While awaiting trial, the Biden administration has dismissed all charges and said, I'm going to go home. Now, here's the point I'm getting to. When the Soviet Union was in its ascendancy and we discovered communist infiltration in our country, all the communists in our country were reporting to the Soviet Union. The communists saw themselves as loyal to the Soviet Union as the leader of communism in the world during that time. I wonder, does Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all these other organizations that are so far on the left, are they getting money and marching orders from communist China? That's what I mean about we need to do a national security audit. I said, well, now, Bishop, now, aren't you really getting a far? No, because you know what that's called? Caring for my own. Caring for my own. These people are our enemies. They are our adversaries. And if they are infiltrating our country, they're not doing it for any good reason other than to bring us down. And so I am perfectly within my prophetic responsibility to say something must be done about it. I'm not talking about any McCarthyite type, you know, with people. Well, and look, I think. Joe McCarthy gets a bad rap, frankly, because he was on to something and it was something real, but he had his own personal problems and they used that to destroy him. I'm not sure that that wasn't part of why Nixon ended up being destroyed. Not to hear again, Nixon had his own problems too. You know, there are people out to destroy you. If you're going to stand on the word of God, you're going to stand up for our country. Now, not that Nixon or Joe McCarthy were Christians, but if you're going to stand up for the word of God, you're going to stand up for our country. There are going to be people out to destroy you. Don't give them ammunition. Okay, don't give them ammunition because they will use it against you. They'll shoot you with it. All right, I got to go. I've had a wonderful time just sharing with you and, and, uh, and I hope this stimulates your thinking too. So we, the, the next president, whether it's President Trump or somebody else, or whether it's Donald Trump or somebody else, but the next president needs to call for a national security audit for our country so that we can get to the bottom of just how deeply infiltrated we've become by the communist Chinese. God bless you all, and remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.